And hello, and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. We are back again, a day later than usual. Uh, Matt had to be called away on a thing, but uh, hey, we're here now. We got some actual news to talk about this week. Matt, some real news. We're not going to be bamfing for time. <laughs> no, we, we say that, but it's funny, like when we did our show last week, it was like two hours long. Like we had to cut it down a little bit, but yeah, it was it's like true. over two hours long and we had nothing to like really talk about. How is that possible? How do our shows run longer when we have less to talk about? I, I guarantee you this show will be shorter because we have things to talk about. That's true. I guess we'll, we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But one thing I do want to do before we start, Matt, technically two things. I want to do some show housekeeping, which we have not done for a little bit. And that's really uh, channel housekeeping as well for the whole Cape Joel channel because, you know, the two are simpatico. They go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, some really great news. Uh, for the first time... Maybe not ever, I think we had one before this, but for the first time in a long, long time, the Comic Multiverse is sponsored. It is, yes. and it's sponsored by a really cool thing that both me and you like, even though the thing that is sponsored, that we're sponsored by, isn't available in my country. Yeah. I like it, I still like it, because some of the stuff is available here. Yes, uh, for those who don't know, and I'm sure you've heard about it once or twice before, Matt and I have dropped a lot of weight recently. You can see it if you go back and watch a show from a year ago. We're a lot smaller. I've, I'm up to have lost about almost 40 pounds. I went from like 280 to 240. I dropped a couple shirt and pant sizes. Feeling great about it, and I was able to do that thanks to switching my diet to a keto diet. And that's why Matt and I are super, super pumped to say that our first real big sponsor in a long time is the product Keto Crate. We've all seen these box services, Matt, you know, your loot crates, your what-haves. Mm -hmm. yeah, usually stuff comes to your house in a box. You think it's really cool for a minute, but then you don't care in a couple yeah. days and it gets put in a drawer and you never forget never remember about it exactly not until the next one comes keto crate uh thankfully delivers a bunch of stuff that you can use to your house every month and it's all delicious keto snacks and drinks and yeah. stuff that you know is uh stuff that helps uh, kickstart your ketosis and uh helps with the weight loss and everything and not only do we have a link and not only do we get to tell you about it but we also have a discount code for all of you so if you use our link and uh, you use our discount code not only do you get a keto crate not only do you get it for five bucks off but you really help matt myself in the channel you do yeah it's, it's some really great stuff in there as i said at the top of this there is some stuff in those boxes that i can actually just go to the shop and buy they have they, they have like really cool like cookies and stuff in there that that are super good and they're good for you as well Absolutely. You got the keto brownies there. You got all the different sorts of keto drink mixes and everything. Uh, the code for those wondering, I'm sure I'll get Matt to flash it up on the screen here because I know I'm going to mess it up and say it wrong. But yes, that's Keto Crate uh, Brenton uh, XOXO. So, yeah, I'm, de yeah, I'm definitely putting that up on the screen. <laughs> you, you, this is their first time actually sponsoring shows uh if they had talked to me before i'd be like uh, actually you know usually you let the people who are doing it pick a thing related to the channel so i could be like keto joel caped keto joel use that <laughs> but no we'll be sure matt flashes that up on the screen check those out you'll get something nice you'll get to help out the show and honestly i just love that uh, our keto story has been so well uh told that now an actual company wanted to reach out and talk to us so that it's, feels really good it's awesome mm-hmm and I know lots of people have been asking me on Twitter, like, hey, Joel, yeah, you dropped a lot of weight. What what do I do? Where do I start? You can start here. 
Yeah, keto is probably one of the easiest things you can actually start because it's it's just normal food. You just basically yeah. cut bread and like sugars out of your di- diet. It's super easy. Bread, sugar, potatoes, the whole deal. And like, yeah. here's the thing: when I do go to a restaurant and like when I do go away, you bet I'm getting you know French fries and cake and everything else, and they taste better because you know I've been denying myself for that long. That when I do have a cheat day and when I do have a splurge, it feels awesome. It does, yeah. It's a little treat. It's like the it's like the food version of edging yourself. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these French fries all over the place. I remember when I went to Philadelphia and they're like, can you eat this stuff? Joel, I'm like, not at all. I will have two, please. <laughs> My diet only works when I am in the borders of Ontario. <laughs> as soon as I leave, it's all, all bets are off. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's a great way to support the channel. And again, to, you know, I really, I really got to start doing this at the beginning of every month. I always say I'm going to, but then I don't. Before we had ads, everybody, it was the great patrons that obviously kept the lights on, kept this ship going, and we had so many new patrons this month for the month of August, I thought it was only right that I should actually read their names. Yeah. So, big thanks to Jose, Stanley, Kyle, and Roseblade. Thank you guys so much. They are our brand new $5 patron levels. Very much appreciated. And again, hey, if you want to shout out or want your name read, that's something you can do by checking out Patreon. Now, I know Patreon isn't exactly everyone's favorite right now, and I agree because they've changed a bunch of their rules, and now they get a bigger cut of everyone's money, and that fucking sucks. So if you're one of the many people, and I know many people did leave at the beginning of this month, no, I harbor you, no ill will, I totally get it, I'd probably have done the same if the situation was reversed, but if you are a patron, we will continue to keep taking care of you and keep bringing content there first and foremost, naturally you get the audio and visio, visual, visio, that's not a fucking word, you get the visual version of the show, I've also uh, uploaded a brand new project, Capes and Quests, uh, which reached its uh, endpoint. I got them all uploaded uh, this week as well. So if you were a patron, your cup runneth over. And if you're not, that's fine too. There's lots of other ways to support us. Just watching us yeah. is always great and appreciated. Matt and I both have coffee pages now as well because, you know, it's a little bit like Patreon, but a little bit easier to handle and they don't take as big a cut. And nice. we have sponsors now. So if you like the show and you want to help out, that's certainly a way you can do it. Yeah, Never we, expected, always appreciated. we got to get those like NASCAR uniforms with all like the different yeah. sponsors all over it. Oh man, if you send me a patch, I will patch it onto my vest <laughs> and I will just wear it all the time. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll do that. But uh, yeah, everyone, believe it or not, we are a comic book podcast, and we actually have some comic book news this week. We do. So I guess let's start from the beginning here. Uh, Greg Capullo re-signed with DC Comics this week in a pretty big move. Uh, as soon as he re-signed, too, he was sure to mention that him and Scott Snyder have another big project coming down the pipeline, and they promise it'll be their biggest project yet. Uh, that that That's... That's big words considering what they've been doing re- just recently uh, with the stuff like Last Night on Earth and what Scott Snyder's been doing in like Justice League. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. without a doubt. I don't think it's going to be Batman related because I think no, I Last don't. Night on Earth is meant to be like their last story. Because it, it very much feels like it, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what could they possibly do next. Superman. That w- Superman. Yeah. Put them they're on. Done, they're done. Batman. They move on to Superman. He he did a little Superman there. Superman mm-hmm. Unbound or Superman Unchained. Unchained or, yeah. 
Unchained. So Snyder has done a little Superman, but yeah, I get the feeling we're going to see a lot of books uh, moved around. Yeah, I if I could see it also being just like a DC Universe book, like yeah, like, like or like a Justice League thing. Maybe something horror because they both clearly mm-hmm. seem to have a love and affinity for horror. Yeah, it could be Swamp Thing. That would be fun. People forget that, that he wrote Swamp Thing at the beginning of the New 52 and Swamp Thing ain't doing shit right now. Yeah, is he, he's doing stuff with, um, Scott Snyder's doing stuff with the American Vampire stuff, isn't he, as well? He, he is. He loves his American yeah. Vampire. Could be something vampire-like. Although the, what is it, the I Vampire guy is going to be on that uh, Gotham Monsters team, so I don't know. Okay. There's a, yeah, there's places he could go. I'd love to see him resurrect Animal Man. Talk about another yeah. guy who's not doing anything at the moment and who, yeah. when last we saw him, had a real horror bent to him. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Make him, like, cool and relevant again. Again, yeah. People forget Animal Man actually enjoyed a nice resurgence at the beginning of the New 52 when that and the Swamp Thing book were like sister books. Yeah, and then he kind of just petered off and just doesn't appear anymore. No, and, like, I feel like people have such reverence for Animal Man because of Grant Morrison. No one wants to touch the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, well, there's no way you're going to top Coyote Gospel. There's no, no way you can come back from. And then the character talks to the writer. <laughs> hey, maybe something uh, New Gods related, maybe. Because yeah. if DC's serious about doing New God projects. That's true, though. I feel more like tom king will be on those sorts of things because he's doing that movie he's done mr miracle all that sort of stuff well i think he would be too busy for it but who knows yeah it would be hilarious if they're like okay tom king's off batman who can we possibly get to fill the (laughs) void now who can we possibly get to fix them uh hey greg scott uh (laughs) do you guys want to come back have this dump truck full of money yeah, that's the thing. They're like, oh, that would be creatively stagnant and stepping back. We told our story. We said what we wanted to say. And, you know, now we're doing other things. We're doing, you know, <laughs> Last Night on Earth and Justice League. Oh, that's a big truckload of money. Yeah, come and undo all this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'm sure they both look at each other. I got kids, man. College is expensive, man. <laughs> what's what's Bruce doing this week? <laughs> so the owls, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, they came back because of Perpetua and the multiverse and the dark multiverse. And <laughs> No, 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 that's silly. We can't do owls again. People are expecting that. Um, so the Club of Pelicans <laughs> are, are also a secret group in Gotham. And uh... <laughs> they, they, they the swallow fucking... everything. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's dark and Lovecraftian, and they wear Slenderman suits. Okay, look, see, now it's easy. Well, you had Praza, shit's easy. <laughs> but yeah, whatever they end up doing together, I'm sure it'll be great. I mean, really, Capello and Snyder, the greatest comic book duo of our generation? I'm trying to think, like, of another power team that's, like, on their level. Probably Lemire and Sorrentino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would put them up there. They'd be, like, at least in the top two. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, creators who, like, work together that much and, like, are such, like, a knock-it-out-of-the-park type of team. Uh, does um Hickman and Pepe Larraz work together? I'm sure they've worked together on, like, other books that Hickman has written. I think, I think they have, but I don't think they're regular partners, though. Okay. I would say maybe uh, Gleason and Tomasi, but that was really mm. only like one run. Yeah. 
and they were both like writers and artists that's true they both like did the duty but hey that's why it was cool too because they shared yeah. uh, on stuff like that yeah that, that feels like a topic for another episode who are the greatest uh comic book creative duos i mean obviously stan and jack kirby are up mm-hmm. there at the top naturally yep stan uh george perez he he basically pulled like both art and writing duties wolfman perez there you yep. go that's titans wolfman. as you know it yeah you you could also have uh what is it stan and probably a few other of his art guys as well mm-hmm uh what is it uh ditko obviously stan and ditko are yep. certainly up there as well for like a whole other side of things uh claremont obviously and all the people he's worked with over the years that mm-hmm. one certainly stands up there as like a creative duo yeah i i feel like that's a topic for another video there yeah, yeah. who are the greatest power couple creators <laughs> but uh yeah we have other stuff to talk about uh from the world of comics to the world of television marvel television announced this week that they pr- uh, plan to produce content for disney plus including marvel tv shows and again some people are scratching their heads and like well what's the difference shield was marvel tv and a lot of that other stuff was marvel tv mm-hmm. not to be confused with the marvel disney stuff that you had going on like the falcon and loki and wandavision and all these other shows you're getting yeah yeah so it's pretty interesting i'm intrigued to see like what because um after this this upcoming season of asian shield that's finished yeah so it would be see like would be interesting to see like if we get a spin-off off of that or some like a character from there. I'd really like that show that they were pitching that most wanted show with Mockingbird yeah. and um that other guy. I'd I'd like that to make a, a reappearance in this. Same. It feels so weird they never picked that up. Yeah, I, I don't understand why. Those are like really loved characters. Everyone really liked them and it they gave seemed, them such a send-off yeah yeah they yeah the episode that they got sent off is like they're going off to their own show guys see you over there this this also means Loeb will have to work with mm. uh kevin feige and everyone else and i'm like it's sounds like he was the one who wasn't liked that he was like the black sheep on this one and will any of these shows connect with anything else or will this also be another instance of oh scheduling ah oh, you know the scheduling we just we just can't get but all those other shows scheduled just fine like ah you know well i would ah. imagine like because they're sort of coming under the one banner the scheduling wouldn't be such a big problem now you'd hope so like i could see why it was when there was kind of split i could understand yeah. that but yeah, I imagine now, especially with Kevin Feige on board, like he could probably beat them into line. Because I don't want to see a future where it's like, okay, you got all these Marvel shows on here on the app, but but you don't have to watch the Loeb ones though, because they're <laughs> not actually going to connect to the movies. He he just gets to play in the sandbox. <laughs> they're in, they're in the Loeb section, the Loeb section, the Loeb box. <laughs> hey, don't touch that. That's Loeb bearing. <laughs> oh, you touched it, but uh interesting stuff uh also to some more uh geeky news to come out off the back of that piece of news is that disney for their apps is also planning more planet of the apes content as well as a remake of home alone oh really a remake of home alone i did they, they didn't cancel that because i know they canceled like like this last week we got like a list of like all the shit they canceled and there's some mm. there is some shit in there that they wanted to make a sims movie okay 
<laughs> a sims movie <laughs> again i'm like that's fucking ridiculous and then i'm like get a what is it get the spider verse guys on there get lord miller and <laughs> yeah make it really really meta <laughs> yeah make People it all jumping about into the... pools and drowning because they, they can't get out and shit <laughs> it's you would need a regular person sent to the world of the sims and how hellish it is you, and make, you make it, it all a about, horror like, film Ooh, see matt look we, we should People work in hollywood we... behind walls and having and, and babies being stuck in closets and stuff and <laughs> who is this cruel vengeful god that keeps doing this it's just some <laughs> bored dude on his lunch break <laughs> see matt we just wrote an amazing horror fuck that banana splits bullshit this is this is where it's at <laughs> you know who had the best reaction of them remaking potentially home alone what Macaulay Culkin on Twitter, he just took a picture of himself at his laptop with, like, his gut out, you know, sitting there in his underwear smoking a cigarette where it's like, yeah, this is this is your Home Alone sequel <laughs> reboot right here. <laughs> I'd like to see him do that. I, I'd like to see him do, do a reboot, like him and the guys from Red Letter Media. <laughs> yeah, just all in a house. Ooh, Rich Evans and those other guys, they're the ones trying to break into Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> mansion. <laughs> And he has to stop them, but he's an adult now, and he has a gun. <laughs> and then it becomes a horror movie. Then it becomes, like, The Guest. Yeah, it becomes, yeah, The Guest or The Collector or something. Or some shit like that. Like, whoa, you guys really picked the wrong house to try and break into. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you could go with that. Man, I, I love that Macaulay Culkin has become this weird comedy figure online. Like, this basically living, self-aware meme. <laughs> it's great. Of... Yeah, like, I was that kid from that movie, remember? <laughs> now look at me. <laughs> that, again, too, you know, I think they just need to remake it just because there needs to be a scene where it's like, oh, we got our new security uh, company uh, contractor, and it's an adult Macaulay Culkin, naturally, and he's passing the torch to the yeah. next Home Alone kid. Yeah, and one of the Home Alone kids will be one of the kids from Stranger Things, because, of course, they will oh, be... Naturally, Finn Wolfhard, it'll be that Yeah, kid. yeah. He's, he's every kid USA, it can be him, why not? <laughs> or maybe maybe we should, ma I was going to say, maybe we should make it 11, because I don't think, because, you know, that would be a very, like, you know, modern day twist. Now it's like, why does it have to be a boy? Why can't it be a girl home alone? And then I'm like, I think they actually did do a girl home alone at one point. Uh, I want to say, yeah, wait, one of the many sequels. Or am I thinking Karate Kid? They I know did Karate, Kid, Karate Kid 2 or 3 was, was a woman. Yeah, with a young Hillary Swank or something. Yeah, yeah, pro they probably did it in one of the unnamed sequels that just got That's shipped true. into a Walmart bargain bin or something. That's the thing people forget. It's like, look, there's the three Home Alone movies you know about. Then there's all the direct-to-DVD shit that they did over the years and, like, the straight-to-Hallmark channel shit mm -hmm. that they wanted to turn into, like, a TV series. I'm like, how the fuck could this be a TV series? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just people trying to break into this kid's house every day of the week? Yeah, every week. <laughs> God damn. And the parents don't believe him? That's not a hellish scenario. <laughs> Where no one believes this kid. They think he's got schizophrenia that people are breaking into his house. <laughs> oh, shit. You see, that's how you update it. I watched that uh, Rocco's Modern Life thing on Netflix. And, like, basically the whole meta premise of that was if you're going to remake a beloved thing from the 90s, you better sure as hell have something new and different to say. Because if not, what is even the point? Yeah. How, what is our new and different take on Home Alone? How do, how do we make it different, Matt? How do we change it? Uh, I don't know. Like, maybe, how maybe do you change, like, because the premise is just so simple. 
Yeah. Kid just gets stuck home alone where these parents fly off somewhere. Yeah. Uh, again, what, 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 what's the modern day version of kids forgetting, uh, or of parents forgetting their kid? They forget him on, uh, on Twitter. They, they, for, <laughs> they forget him in, in their Uber. Ah, oh, there and you the go. And the Uber driver kidnaps him or something. <laughs> yeah, oh no. in a car. <laughs> oh, home alone, but also in a car for a generation of people who live in their car. They're the invisible <laughs> homeless, you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, like, what's the twist on that? Like, okay, maybe it's an apartment instead of a house, or I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no are idea. The, yeah, how would the, you do that, and especially in this day and age when, like, you could just hop on Facebook and it's like, hey, I'm home alone, help. Yeah, I know, right? The whole technology issue really ruins that film and all. Every kid's got a cell phone now. Yo, you motherfuckers forgot me. What the hell? <laughs> They'll do some do, like, shitty thing. It's like, there was a storm and it knocked out the power. Or, yeah. Or, you know, you could really... They would never do this because this would actually be a serious version of the movie and they want it to be like a heartwarming family Christmas film. Do what they did with Rough Night and be it like, look, like new Macaulay Culkin's like, I can't call the cops. I have small amounts of drugs. (laughs) And this is America. (laughs) I have cocaine in these baggies and I can't call the cops. Exactly. Oh, that's the thing. You see, his parents were secretly drug dealers, and that's why those guys are trying to break in. (laughs) That's literally the only way you could update that shit or move it to a place or to a sort of person who's like, okay, what's my reason for why I can't just call the cops in this scenario? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's way more thought put into this Home Alone remake than the people actually making it are going to (laughs) actually put into it. The Planet of the Apes thing is pretty interesting, too, because I really loved yeah. that last yeah. trilogy, and I'm excited at the idea of them to do more, but also, like, they kind of did it perfectly in three movies. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine that, like, if they were to do more movies, they'd have to do, like, a big time jump, and it'd be, like, closer, mm. like getting closer to, like, the Charlton Heston, like, far future sort of stuff. You know what we can do? We can rip off X-Men right now and say, look, the apes are almost to where they were going to be in Roddy McDowell time. They're wearing clothes. They're walking upright now. They're breaking horses and learning to use more guns and everything. But we find out there's actually a human space station out there. Who comes down to Earth and again also assumes that they're on an alien planet and tries to make peace with the apes. But obviously shit goes awry because why not? Yeah. And so it's like, look, this isn't their first time, you know, interacting with humans. Or you could go the other way, too, and be like, look, so we know from Planet in the uh, Planet of the Apes 2, there's actually a bunch of mutants who live underground. Like, not all the humans are dead. Some just got horribly mutated. Mm-hmm. So maybe monkey versus mutant. Yeah, you could do that. I- I'm wondering if they will do, a, like, a full film where there aren't any humans. That, yeah. Like, because the last one kind of was, but there still was that human element there. Yeah, uh, with yeah. crazy Gary Oldman and whatnot, but yeah, um, crazy Gary Oldman. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see if they will do that, like, and just use like Andy Circus and and whoever else is Toby Kebbell, all those guys back again uh, to just do like a full on like ape film. Well, you know, Matt, that's a really good uh, place for a segue. Uh, Andy Circus might not be able to reprise that role because <laughs> apparently he got a crazy new gig he's gonna be directing venom 2 what (laughs) what (laughs) i have to i have to i feel like he probably will still do planet of the apes because that character means so much to him 
Um, it is him. It wouldn't have been as good without but, him. Yeah. What? <laughs> Just what? It's interesting. It's an interesting pick. Maybe they're hoping that people like Andy Circus enough that, you know, this will carry his goodwill on top of it. And they're thinking like, oh, maybe the Venom suit capture will be really great because Andy Circus is involved. Yeah, let Andy Circus do that. Yeah, like, is this also a Lord and Miller thing, too? Because apparently they're overseeing all the Sony Spider-Man stuff. Is them being like, ah, take a take a chance on Circus. Yeah, and I, I'm intrigued to see what he will do, because he's rather a new director. He's only directed, like, one big thing, and that was that Mowgli film. That, like, oh, no one yeah, really the... remembers about it. And it had, it had like, because a really it came good out. cast. Yeah, no one saw Mowgli because it came out too close to that other Jungle Book thing. Yeah, and it was a Netflix film. And it was a Netflix original too. I remember that. I remember passing over. I'm like, I should watch this. And then I proceeded to not watch it. Yeah, I I, I like watched like 80% of it. And I was like, yeah, I, I know this story. Isn't it like really serious and violent? Isn't that like the yeah. new angle they take with it? Yeah. That's not a great angle. Making no. things more serious and violent. I don't know why that's everyone's go-to every time. <laughs> but yeah, hey, you know, more power to Andy Serkis. If he can hammer a good movie out of that, then I will give him a round of applause. Yeah, I, I'm hoping, I'm as, as you said, like the motion capture and everything should be pretty damn good. Like, hopefully. You would hope so. I would hope so. But yeah, because like that first one was... Ugh. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, some more Marvel news here. Hulu's Ghost Rider and Hellstorm shows have now been rebranded as Adventures into Fear. Cool. Sounds very much like an old-timey uh, Marvel Comics imprint, doesn't it? Like, yeah. you know, Journey into Mystery, Adventures into Fear. Yeah, that that's really cool. So does that mean, like, like both those shows will be airing at the same time as, like, a, like a half of each? Like... Yeah, like How a block or something. Yeah. I don't know. They haven't explained it yet. They also say there's more to come in this Adventures into Fear line. Yeah, may well, maybe it's maybe that's like their version of like phases where it's like Adventures into right. Fear presents Ghost Rider. Right, right. And then you can do Journey into Mystery, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. I, I like it. I'm interested in it. I'm happy to have uh, Gabriel Luna back. And, mm -hmm. you know, hey, Hellstorm should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even though the premise of that show sounds very much like the same paranormal detective shows we've been getting for like 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. They, they all fall into that same category. The, the genre that Constantine helped codify and yet what he himself could not survive. <laughs> it's ironic. Ain't that some shit. Constantine is to the paranormal detective genre what John Carter of Mars is to science fiction. Yeah, he, he is, he's, he, he's the Hydrox to, to their Oreos. <laughs> ah there you go that's a good way to put it uh but yeah so that's that news uh what else do we have here Ooh, here's something near and dear to us because it you know lets us tick a bunch of boxes for things we don't like uh brett booth apparently came under fire today on twitter uh when he lashed out at a bunch of fans who were unhappy that he was going to be drawing that wally west flash forward book okay i i'm not i'm familiar with his work but why are they upset that he is drawing it 
because he's the sort of person who lashes out at people on Twitter, and when they complained about that, he proceeded to lash out at them on Twitter. <laughs> there and by proving their point that he is a hothead in a rage case. <laughs> and, 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 like, I, I think I followed him once upon a time, but stopped, which means he yeah. must have said or did something to make me stop doing that. But, uh, yeah, this this book, as someone brought up, so let me get this straight. So, spinning out of an event that everyone hated in Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to repair the legacy of a hero that you dragged through the mud for seemingly no reason. <laughs> Being written by Scott Lobdell, a writer that most people do not like and who has had a death grip on Red Hood and the Outlaws forever, seemingly only because he's friends with uh, Bob Harris, the VP of mm-hmm. DC. Mm-hmm. And has written and you- speedsters before and not very well. And who, yeah, who exactly, who has written speedsters before, but not well, has written Teen Titans-affiliated characters, and not well. <laughs> but now he gets to write this book seemingly because no one else wanted it. Yeah, no, no one, one else wanted No one wanted that stink. No one wanted that hot potato. And being drawn by Brett Booth, a guy who, who apparently <laughs> is very, very, a very prickly pear, if you will. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh... I'm intrigued to see what this book exactly like. I'm gonna see. I'm intrigued to see what the numbers will be on this book, sales wise. Because yeah. on one hand, you get the people that like don't want it, but then on the other hand, you you get those those people that are like, oh my god, I can't wait. We're getting a a Wally book that will just buy it because it's got Wally on it. Yeah, I I feel comfortable skipping this one. Is what I do. When's it come out? It's pretty soon. I think. Yeah, yeah, like end of September or something. Yeah, yeah, early October, end of September. Funny, too, you know, while we're on the Lobdell thing, a bunch of people tweeted this at me here. Something that Lobdell did that seemingly flew under the radar. Oh, apparently he's <laughs> apparently he's working on a Kickstarter with, uh, what is it, that dude from Rat Queens who hit his wife. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> why, why is Scott Lobdell so Teflon? Why does he keep doing bad things and getting away with them endlessly? Let's, that, that's not even mentioning all the multiple cases of sexual harassment that have been brought towards him as well. He's one of those old guys that have, like, all the friends, all these friends are in, like, higher high jobs now, like like Bob Harris and everything. So, like, he, he, he can get away with it, though he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't respect anything about the man, but you have to respect the fact that nothing sticks to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's created just such a black hole of bullshit that it, nothing actually escapes it. Yeah, it's even weirder when you think like in in this day and age where like like a tweet from ten years ago can get someone kicked off a film and stuff like yeah. that. Whereas like it's like he's he's literally doing this stuff like now, right now, <laughs> and it's he's like, still hey, getting like, and he's given more books because of it. I it's like if it's, you set the bar so criminally low. <laughs> Then no one will ever expect you to clear it. Again, he's he's almost carved out a perfect niche for himself, and that is he only sells to people who are fans of him anyway, doesn't really try and get anyone else, and apparently that's just enough to keep Red Hood going. Yeah, yeah, and I have to imagine, like, yeah, Red Hood is, like, skating by just just enough to, to warrant it to be kept going and everything. Because I never yeah. hear about that book at all. No. And it never crosses over with anything. No. The biggest thing is Leviathan, and you know that was more Bendis swinging his dick around, be like, "I want to use Jason for this," and they're yeah. like, "Okay, yeah, we're paying you thirty thousand dollars an issue. I guess we have to." <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what happened you with get... the recent Superman book? No, what happened? This is kind of like another bit of news. So it got released with like a year of the villains cover, and um, right. 
then not too long ago sometime this week dc sent out like a thing is like hey destroy all those copies of superman and supergirl because the cover doesn't reflect what happens i'm like really now you give a shit about that sort of stuff and it's getting Uh, a new cover and everything now so i don't know whether that actually pushes the book back or what happens with that (laughs) well i think it does because there hasn't been a new superman in a while yeah yeah it was the most it's the issue coming up so issue 13 or 14 so yeah it was just super strange that like they decided to give a shit about what happens on a cover when like you get comics that like have shit on covers that is n- definitely not indicative of what's in the book i can name seven this week with misleading <laughs> covers <laughs> yeah why do you suddenly start caring now that's it's that's strange. comedy it's strange that's pure comedy there. Oh, we can't have these. They don't reflect the story. <laughs> that's that's fine. Push back, Superman. I could use a break from Superman. <laughs> like, literally, every time I pick it up, I'm like, man, this isn't even fun bad anymore. <laughs> like uh, like Batman, where it's like, oh, my God, what is he going to do next? I have no clue. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, my God, this he was hitting the head with a horse. Yeah, really. But shit. with Ben, yeah, but with Ben, just Superman. It's like so he's just gonna keep telling us the same information every issue now, huh? I, or, or have Jor-El just skirt the the important questions by going, "Look over there, look over yeah. there." It, it's a space whale. <laughs> it's a snare beast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that was the news this week, everyone. We actually talked about news this week. Ain't we that something? Did yes. What do, what do we win, Matt? Give us a cookie. We want a cookie. <laughs> Man, I'd like a cookie, <laughs> but I can't have them right now. So I guess we can hop into what we read this week, and it was a decent-sized week, all things considered. We had at least two really big ones. Yeah, two really big ones, although most, most comics this week were pretty good. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Where where would you like to start, Matt? Uh, well, hold on. Let's, let's start with, with House of X, issue two. Oh, yes. this The series that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more mind-bendy. Yeah, and, and big dick Jonathan Hickman, you know, flashing that dick around and, like, getting, getting X-Men continuity into order, basically. Oh, yeah. Man, he needs to wear that on a jacket right now. Big dick Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> hey, he probably does. <laughs> Somewhere he's got a tattooed on his chest. <laughs> so no one will forget. But yeah, man, talk about introducing huge science fiction concepts, making it the backbone of your story, making it make sense, and also having people get really super stoked about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the perfect storm. And again, he's making he's making the X-Men cool again and interesting yes. and and uh like must read. I'm seeing so many new comic fans in my video yeah. and it warms yeah. my heart that like this that for once the hype was actually worth it and people are taking notice and actually getting excited and picking it up for the first time. Yeah, and again this issue was uh building off the stuff we saw in issue 1 and kind of like powers of X sort of stuff as well. Uh, where we see Moira McTaggart, who he's kind of been redone in this new continuity, and she she's a mutant, and she has the power. now yes, big retcon. She has the power to she dies and she is reborn again. But when she's reborn, she retains all the information and knowledge of her past mm-hmm. life. She has the power of Groundhog Day, is what she has. Yeah, but more or less, more or less. So that makes her like a one of the smartest people in the universe, as well as mm-hmm. one of like the strongest mutants, I guess. 
functionally immortal, all things mm-hmm. considered. And I love how they explain where it's like, well, how the fuck did no one know she had this power before? Because it's an invisible mutation. She's fundamentally yeah. human until she dies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we see her sort of learn about her power as well as learn about Charles Xavier. And she goes to try and meet him. And there's certain things that happen that kind of stop that. First, there's a plane crash. So she has to go back and live another life. And, and eventually she meets him and she finds that he's kind of an arrogant asshole. Which I love that, because all we knew about Moira before this is that they were engaged to be married mm-hmm. before, and they had a son, Proteus. So I love the idea that's like, no, I thought he sucked in our first meeting. <laughs> and because of that, she wants to cure her mutation and mutations of everyone else, and that leads her to meet Destiny, who I'm just going to go out and say is probably like a Moira from a future or something. Ooh, that would be a big or retcon or too. Or a daughter of hers or something. Because, like, Destiny's been around for a while. People forget Destiny was actually very involved with the original Days of Future Past story. It's just she's written out of every adaptation of that story. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one who's like, yo, Days of Future Past incoming. And everyone's like, thanks, Destiny. (laughs) I do love that she is basically Moira McTaggart's kryptonite, where she's like, bitch, I can see the future. But with you, I can see multiple futures all at once. You you think you're a goddamn Highlander, but you're not. You've got 10, maybe 11 lives in you. Yeah, and you've already wasted a couple of them. So you either help, help your species, help the mutants thrive and live, or kill them. And, and some lives you'll, you'll be used by the humans to kill them, and others you won't and everything. So... Warrior's got like this task of like, is she going to help the mutants? Is she going to go against them? The destiny bit is great too, because she's like, and look, and if you do piss us off, I will feel the change in the future, <laughs> and I will kill you when you're a baby before your powers manifest. Yeah, which means you're done. No respawns. <laughs> No response. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, I forgot that, like, Destiny and Mystique, yeah, they're, like, more evil than Magneto some of the time, aren't they? Because Magneto has certain ideals, but Mystique has zero ideals. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's in it for herself and in it to survive, so she'll do whatever the fuck it takes. And then Pyro's there as well. Man, maybe the coolest thing Pyro's done in, like, 20 (laughs) years where it's, like, burn her alive slow so she knows how it feels to die. (laughs) And he's like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that was really cool. And then after that, she she commits her life to like uh, science and learning about the mutants and the cures and stuff like that. Uh, she eventually falls in love with uh, Xavier because she sees past his arrogance to who he is. Yeah, and as she was supposed to originally. Yeah, and then that leads them through the life of where they, where she sees the X Men and all the different uh, decades, eras. They, yeah, yeah, they they reference all the decades as well, which is really cool the heroic age the school age i love that they call the last decade of x-men stories the one we just came out of the lost era yeah yeah i i like that it's like yeah maybe it's continuity maybe it's not it it works on so many levels because it's like oh yeah they were lost because you know uh the phoenix force and Mm -hmm. cyclops killed xavier and they were so lost after that yeah. yeah they they were also lost in the tug of war between Disney and Fox <laughs> for movie rights. And so, like, nothing happened over that decade. And it's great that they choose the Phoenix stuff to be, like, the poster child for the lost decade. I'm like, oh, 
I I noticed you didn't uh, what does it do anything from like the five years of shit Bendis wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shocking that when it came time to codify that, it's like, what about uh, time traveling X Men? That didn't fucking happen. Yeah, that no, that fuck that. That's a minor footnote. That didn't happen. Nothing <laughs> happened after Cyclops killed Xavier. <laughs> yeah, they just like Which, stood around. They, it was weird. They all, everyone knew. No one knew what was happening. They just like shut off. <laughs> Which I guess when you stop and think about it, yeah, that was kind of the last time shit really mattered yeah. and there was really big, like, ripple effects in X-Men. Mm -hmm. Which, good on Hickman for paring it down to there. It's like, when was the last thing that actually mattered? Oh, this was the last thing that actually mattered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she sees all that, but then eventually what Destiny said would happen, the humans would come for them, happened, and the Sentinels ended up killing her and Xavier, so she gets reborn, and... I think is that is that that's then the time where she decides to meet him like 10 years earlier or something isn't it yeah so She's then like, they build a mutant city yeah that she like radicalizes him to her ideals and stuff and they end up building not genoa like genosha in like this dome which still ends up getting attacked they as sal on comic pop said they basically become the inhumans with their own mm -hmm. shielded city that they don't let anyone else into basically basically and then after that she goes uh after bolivar trask's family and just try and just like murders them off the face of the earth after Which, man that's a mini series i want to see <laughs> reverse terminator with moira mctaggart killing all the guys who are going to build the robots only to have that horrible realization of oh fuck ai theory is just something that's just gonna happen the sentinels are like judgment day they're already etched in time i, I love the the piece of dialogue there is like all she did was remove trask as the first human to ever kill mutants and because of she's she's done that she made ai be the first thing to build up these sentinels and just wipe out mutants i thought that was pretty the, cool the singularity happens sooner nimrod creates mm -hmm. the sentinels and yeah that's really that's really crazy shit i love they've put this terminator spin on it where it's like oh well who who you know who, who of the two species will war against each other forever who are natural enemies oh well mutants and robots yeah <laughs> Because they're the only ones who are going to be left at the end of the world, which is so hilarious. That's like, no, humans, you're all fucked. You're all going to be dead. It's going to be mutants and robots at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. She goes to Magneto. Or she she decides, you know, fuck Xavier for this life. I'm going Magneto. I'm going to go, like, tell him evil Nazi people making robots will we'll, yep. we'll radicalize him. Newton new holocaust of yeah. the future and and eric being so impulsive that he is it's like i'm gonna destroy washington and launch the nukes you can't <laughs> stop me to which the x-men and the entire avengers here at community is like actually we can totally stop you because <laughs> you're one you're one crazy asshole we can totally stop you <laughs> yeah she she goes then to apocalypse and decides like well, she becomes a horseman yeah yeah i thought that was pretty cool she decides to just force evolution basically and it's like survival of the fittest sort of thing but that doesn't even work because again the fucking sentinel machine ai shit attacks and she's caught in this never-ending war still freaking robots in the future <laughs> always bet on robots apparently <laughs> that's that's an amazing image though to see apocalypse just punching the shit out of nimrod i'm yeah. like how have we never seen that fight that's a cool ass yeah. fight and we might even get like more of that because nimrod's in obviously powers of x so we could see more of that we could and apocalypse is seemingly a good guy now and yeah. he's gonna be on excalibur yeah i guess so <laughs> 
Yeah, that's some cool-ass shit. Man, I love this, like, epic game of Groundhog Day where every plan works. All right, fuck it. This lifetime, I'm going to do this. All right, fuck it. I'm going to do this now. But we don't get to see her sixth life. Her sixth life mm-hmm. is missing. Yeah, maybe that might be in one of those books. Might be in one of the books. Might be the universe as we know it. I've seen a lot of theories as to what that sixth life could have been. Yeah, it could be heaps of different things. Maybe something, maybe that was hidden from her or something. It's true. Maybe Xavier's like, oh, I gotta, like, psychically block this life off from you. <laughs> that's too hard. Cool. be allowed to remember. <laughs> that's too, ooh, that's, that, 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 that's triple X, that life. We gotta get rid of that <laughs> one. That's, that's the movie triple X with Vin Diesel. We gotta get rid of that one. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of places they could go. It's hard to believe with one little change, they've completely rewritten the X-Men's history. Yeah, and for the better as well. It's so much more accessible now. Like, things, oh, yeah. things make sense. And what a great character to do this with, to give this kind of problem. I feel like a lesser writer would have been like, meh, give it to Wolverine. He's immortal anyway. Yeah, Wolverine or like, like Rogue or someone like that. But to elevate someone like Moira McTaggart and be like, hey, you know this minor character who always came back? What if she was the most important character ever? (laughs) That's the thing, like at the end of the book, she's kind of the one that kind of puts the idea of Krakoa in xavier's head and it's kind of like yeah, she the one it. behind it all and everything that's good yeah, that's she awesome. seemingly very that she seemingly incepts the idea and also if she incepts the idea where is she now mm. Mm. maybe she's what in, is she in xavier maybe she is xavier uh, maybe she takes the helmet off and it's actually moira wouldn't put that past them also where is her kid with xavier where is proteus yeah has that happened yet has that happened in one of her lives maybe that's the sixth life exactly what what's the deal like that's pretty big the fact that proteus is her and xavier's kid so that's got to be something yeah God, has, has any of the X-Men books referenced Proteus in forever? I think people like Proteus because they remember the cartoon. Yeah, I, I I honestly can't think of any, mainly because I haven't read many X-Men books lately, but I don't. I have to think they haven't. Yeah, I'm sure someone will tell us, and don't be shocked if we see him again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so X-Men continues to kick a lot of ass. It's it's the most must-read book on the shelf right now. Definitely. it's You can't go wrong with it. Three no. issues, we've had three issues of both series so far, and it's so good. It is it is genuinely required reading. Mm-hmm. X-Men is cool again. X-Men is accessible again. Yep. Check this out, even if you only have a passing knowledge of X-Men, because don't worry, Big Dick Hickman literally has graphs and charts for you to read <laughs> along with. Yes, yes. More so in, like, this one I think had the most so, so far, because yep. we had, like, the charts with the timelines and everything and all that sort of stuff. Like, you don't get that in other books. It's great. No. Man, when they collect this, and I know I'm not the only one who's been saying this, they really need to collect these two books in the proper reading order in the (laughs) way you were supposed to read it as they were coming out. Because if they put it any other way, it's not going to make any fucking sense. I I would have to imagine they're going to do like a House of X and Powers of X trade, but then do like, I guess, an omnibus, which is both of them in reading order. Yeah, yeah. As someone pointed out to me something kind of hilarious there, when you put uh like the acronyms for all of them together house of x and powers of x it's hawks and pox <laughs> this is his end game this is hickman's end game <laughs> it's a pox on all people you see the hawks come and they bring the pox to the mutants <laughs> 
I was putting you in a box. You didn't see it until it was too late. <laughs> and the hawks and the pox in their box owned by Fox. Oh, no. <laughs> this this was his elevator pitch that blew everyone's minds. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, we don't understand it, but it sounds cool. <laughs> but it sounds fucking brilliant. Let's do it. <laughs> And of course, you know, that was just one of the big Marvel comics that came out this week. The other one was Absolute Carnage. Absolute. It was. And I actually read this one and reviewed it. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, which it's funny, you know, I've been saying for so long, I've been proselytizing how great Venom is. In a way, I've been my own prophet of Null, <laughs> talking about how great it is, trying to convert you to it. And in the end, you really didn't need to, because they catch you up in the first page. Yeah, yeah, I was like, g going into it, I was like, okay, I kind of know the story, thanks to Joel, and like, seeing stuff. I kind of know what's going on, what carnage is going on, so let's hope I don't miss something big then and then get yelled at in my in my review but yeah like that first page just basically is like eddie talking with dylan say like yeah so like there's this god and then carnage is trying to resurrect him by like stealing people's spines and shit yeah it's amazing oh i have a kid now too in case you haven't picked up a venom <laughs> story in forever but he doesn't know he's my kid yet i'm telling him he's my little brother it's probably gonna fuck him up <laughs> yeah but i might tell him but i might not i don't know how fucked up i want him to be also, hey, Eddie reuniting with the symbiote here, which was broken at the end of the last arc, but got fixed in War of Realms. So again, you didn't even need to know that. Mm -hmm. Yep, it, it saves him from, from Carnage almost killing him with a train, which I'm told actually happens in another book where Car where Venom pushes Spider-Man in front of a train or Carnage pushes Spider-Man in front of a train or something. It, it, in the very first appearance of Eddie Brock as Venom, that's how he tries to kill Peter ah, Parker by yes. pushing him in front of a and the frame is even the similar too, where he looks behind him and he's there and it just yeah. push. Yeah, yeah, that, so, yeah. That, that was cool. I like, like what I, I'm not really too familiar. What what's the deal with Cletus Cassidy at the moment? He's a he's a corpse now, isn't he? Yes, yeah. because he got ripped in half by the Sentry, but then he got taken to an alien planet. Then he got thrown back onto Earth, and the symbiote burned up and sacrificed itself to save Cletus. But he still got all fucked up when he hit the ground, and so he was, like, being kept alive in an iron lung, and then the cult of Carnage came mm -hmm. and took his body, because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Null has, you know, chosen you to be his champion, to be his prophet, and then, of course, they put the suit back on him, but yeah, he's basically all broken and a corpse inside the suit now. Yeah, he looks, he looks gnarly. He looks so He looks cool. very gnarly. Again, this whole Venom from the beginning has been a horror series, and I like that this is a horror event starring Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, yeah. So uh, Eddie sort of figures out what what Carnage is doing, so he, he goes to a person to help him, and that person is Peter Parker. The only person who could understand, and the only person yeah. who knows his identity. And I like Peter's like, it's like, really, you're fighting gods now? Like, what happened to, like, criminals and, like, sewer dinosaurs and stuff like that? All stuff from the original Lethal Protector series, so Cates totally did his homework, and this whole thing is just jam-packed with references. What I thought was cute about that scene, too, is that Eddie is trying really hard to protect Peter's identity as Spider-Man from the kid, so he waits till he leaves before he starts yeah. calling him Peter. Yeah, and I like how the kid, like, views him how, like, JJ does. Like, he's a menace. <laughs> he doesn't like Spider-Man. Well, 
Well, again, if you remember, uh, Dylan's been raised by Eddie's abusive shit heel ex cop father, who I'm sure listened to the Jameson show <laughs> like people listen to Fox News endlessly. So I'm sure that's what he's absorbed. Yeah, and it probably doesn't help that like Eddie's his his father as well, and Eddie's probably like, yeah, that Spider Man, he like he like kills kids. Yeah, really, just just in utero, he absorbed a <laughs> hatred of Spider Man. <laughs> Which, man, when are they going to answer that? The fact that Eddie doesn't actually remember fathering this kid. Yeah. And then it's heavily implied the symbiote did yeah, it. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, wasn't it like, yeah, implied the symbiote somehow had a hand in his birth? Yes, that it was like immaculate symbiote conception, which I bet you that that's going to come into play at the end where Null's like, no, I want the kid. He's symbiote Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because Venom Turkey based someone. <laughs> yeah really well, well the suit turkey based him into that poor woman which which i like they mention his uh wife here too as she was yeah. one of the bodies that got dug up because obviously she was lady venom for a mm-hmm. minute mm-hmm. yeah and interesting they they mention general ross so it's like this is obviously after the stuff in captain america because yep. like he's dead there and carnage dug up his body to like take his spine <laughs> I love they uh, rebury all the bodies in New Jersey. I'm like, man, New Jersey just can't catch a fucking break, can they? Where are we going to put all the corpses in the devil's to? Oh, no, put them in Jersey. <laughs> just whenever New Jersey gets mentioned, it's never good. <laughs> and uh, this all eventually takes them to the Ravencroft Asylum. Or no, 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 actually, no, there's even another big thing before mm-hmm. that. What happens before that? Yeah, so they, so Spider-Man posits that they need a device to extract uh the 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 venom dna that are in these people uh mm-hmm. to make them not targets anymore and yeah the codices he, he he says reed richards could do it but not in the time frame they need so eddie knows someone else who could do it and that someone is the maker i love the way they say that where spider-man's like look we need someone reed richards smart but we also need someone who would have built a machine to do this like yesterday and eddie's like uh actually the maker tried to steal my costume actually <laughs> in a previous arc so i know he actually has a machine that can do this yeah and then, and then we get like a cool little meeting between peter parker and this uh reed who I, i'm sh- i swear they've met before they probably haven't but I, people so are strange. saying that they people are saying they met during secret wars but i'm uh, like no i don't think they did i think miles met him because he stowed away on the ship but no i don't think spider-man ever met the maker directly yeah which is strange they've been like in the same universes for years now and they haven't met they're very weird about where the maker gets to go and what he gets to do and what characters he gets to interact with. As someone brought up, actually, uh, the Future Foundation book came out this week, and apparently the Future Foundation kids are trying to break the maker out of jail. So that created a bit of discontinuity, how he can be in two places at once. To which I said, well, maybe one of the makers isn't real. Maybe one is a clone or a robot or something. Yeah, or someone masquerading as the maker. Yeah. Then again, people also think that Charles Xavier is the maker now because of the helmet, and I'm like, no, that's too obvious. (laughs) He can't be in three places at once. (laughs) That's just silly. Yeah, so yeah, he and he has built the machine, and he's building it in the safe house for him. Uh, Eddie's not too pleased with it because he wants the symbiote, and and Maker's just like, yeah, look, our our, uh, goals kind of align here, so I'll help you, and then maybe turn against you a little later on yeah i'm still half a good guy under here (laughs) yeah so he builds the machine and he wants to use howie howie osborne 
Yeah, yeah, I really like that calling back from Dan Slot's run and the fact that, yeah, he was Kid Carnage for a second. Yeah, a very hot second. So, yeah, St- uh, Peter's brought his godson to him to uh, use it, and they don't want him to be put into this machine that may or may not work or may or may not kill him. So they're like, yeah. Well, We'll go, we'll go get someone else. And the maker knows exactly who to get. And he's like, I wonder who they'll get. Wink, wink. What's, hilar- what's hilarious about that moment, too, is like, oh, we need someone who has a symbiote who we don't care if they die and go through the machine. <laughs> I'm surprised no one brings up, uh, Peter, you had a symbiote. <laughs> you were like the first to have a sy- why don't Why don't you offer to go through the machine? Shut up. That's why I'm not <laughs> offering to go through the machine. <laughs> Cause I need to live. I left my, I left my, you know, my washing machine running. I can't like, you know, abandon it. You know, I yes. just, I just paid for a month of Netflix. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they end up going to Ravencroft, where they intend to break out um, Norman Osborn, who's and, been there since the end of the slot run. Yes, yes, and they intend to use him for this this machine, and they they get help from John Jameson, Jameson's son. Uh, who, the man wolf yeah the man wolf who who is an avenger as well now yes yes he's all over the place he's getting real busy little did they know though had they read the special web of venom carnage uh issue uh that john jameson was already corrupted and had already been got to yeah in doverton yes in doverton the town from carnage usa so again we're bringing it all back yeah so he he helps them uh, get in meanwhile cletus has arrived at the the jail and like infects everyone with the red goo and and turns all the other crazy inmates into carnage soldier things yep because you know they weren't dangerous enough yep and then they they end up fighting uh eddie and peter and peter gets slammed into uh osborne's cell and osborne is just just a fucking maniac with a piece of glass <laughs> osborne thinks he is cletus now because the yeah. carnage symbiote imprinted on him and now he thinks he is cletus yeah yeah so he he's gone fucking insane and, and he was already crazy to begin with yeah and they end up getting trapped in the cell with him so they have to like try and find a way out but it never works out and carnage comes in and basically infects norman takes his spine or something i guess and turns him into like one of the the carnage creatures which i guess explains why red goblin is going to be getting a one shot soon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah so crazy issue goes to lots of interesting places lots of great callbacks a really nice kind of culmination of everything donny cates has been doing on the venom book yeah it's great and it's also a great like i guess jumping on point like you might need to know a couple Mm. of things but like it does a good job of catching everyone up on it Ends up being a really good Spider-Man story, too, hilariously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, D- Donny Case, you know, maybe when Spencer is done, maybe him and uh, Spencer want to trade. <laughs> now, I'll write Venom for a bit, and you write Spider-Man. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's good, solid shit. It is. R- really good art. I think this is some of Stegman's finest art. It's really nice looking. It's really, really good looking. Uh, what else did we want to talk about after that? We had... What was it? Batman issue 76. Uh, do we have to? <laughs> yes. Yes. People like it when we do. The, you know what? Here's the thing. I can't even summon up the same vitriol that I normally do for this because this has to be one of the most inconsequential nothing issues in this series in a very long time. <laughs> it's it's shocking that he only has he has less than 10 issues now yep. to wrap up this arc and, he just, and Tom King just decides, oh, we're going to have an issue that doesn't fucking matter at all to anything 
Just going to spin our wheels, reiterate information you already know, and add some new confusing wrinkles in there too. Why not? Yeah, I said in my review, this is what it's going to be like for the next probably eight issues until he decides, oh, we're getting near the end. I'll just start pumping my story out a little bit. I remember I said when we reviewed the last issue, I'm like, well, you know, City of Bane, yeah, it's got a lot of problems, but, you know, at least there's forward momentum, at least there's things happening <laughs> now. Clearly, you know, he's feeling the push and the pinch, and, you know, it's like time to kick in the turbos. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, completely wrong. <laughs> just just a nothing issue. I, I think what really sums up to me how much this series has actually gone downhill, one of the issues I really genuinely enjoyed, in fact, I'll even go as far as to say I loved uh, Batman number 23, which was the one with Swamp Thing and Scalp mm-hmm. Hunter and everything. Mm-hmm. That issue had an amazing culmination where they find Scalp Hunter at the museum and he's looking at the painting. I think it's the Tempest. I don't know which one it is, but it's like it's, it's a painting about nature and, you know, the, the cruelty and the chaos of nature. And it's a really great scene because you got Swamp Thing there and he's looking at the painting and the painting is clearly telling you where the scene is going to go. And I'm like, wow, how smart and how, you know, well done and artsy that was. This issue has a painting too, but Catwoman literally stops and explains to the reader what the painting means. This is the lace maker. It was written by Vermin and da, 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 da. I'm like, God damn it. And, and, and the reader, like, well, in, in the sense of the book is like, a knocked out Bruce Wayne, knocked out, possibly drugged up Bruce Wayne. So it's like, yep. yeah, okay, I, I get it. We're, we're meant to be like him. <laughs> just just accept it. Just listen. See, I, see, I even thought it was even more so there. It's like, oh, you know, Johannes Vermeer was an interesting artist because back in his day, everyone was drawing epic scenes, but not him. He drew still life. And, you know, it's just so much more beautiful and meaningful. And I'm like, dude, do you think your series is a Vermeer painting? Is that what you're trying to say? That's what this all is. If you're if you're is. looking if you're looking for epic things, don't look for it here because this is life, man. This is everyday life with a Batman and a Catwoman and a roided up luchador. <laughs> and a Captain Adam and all these yeah. things. Let's talk about fucking Captain. Life. I a week ago we got like a, a preview page of that. Is the first page of it where he confronts mm. Gotham Girl, and I said fucking guarantee you gotham girl will make him look like a fucking loser jobber idiot what the fuck ding, did she ding, do ding, ding. oh she she does it and i'm like how how does and she's she the whole thing is that he's come to to gotham to basically stop bane and and gotham girl and basically open up the borders again uh so the heroes Which can is come actually in and- yeah, which is actually kind of interesting that he's yeah. going against governmental orders mm-hmm. here when he was the big stooge patsy for President Luther yeah. back when that was a thing. And I'm like, oh, and now he's going against it and saying, you know, sometimes a bad order is a bad order. I'm like, oh, that's kind of compelling from a guy like King who we know had a government job where he had to take a lot of orders. Huh, this, this you know, this rubs up against an interesting idea. And he gets his back broken and humbled by Gotham Girl and none of it fucking mattered. Yeah, yeah, humbled by his OC character who is infinitely powerful, uh, apparently doesn't have the whole thing as where the more power she uses, the, the quicker she dies, even though she does because Tim and Damien talk about that. Uh, so she should be like like almost dead by now because think of like the power that it would need to take to to like kill or defeat captain adam this guy's like and an, he he's what dr manhattan is based on is he, based he on can exactly. go toe-to-toe with superman 
Also, we know he's not killing the heroes, and he's not brainwashing the heroes for whatever stupid reason. Why don't you all rush her at once, and then she'll burn herself out? Yeah, why don't all these heroes just come at... That's the thing, they can't because... The government, the government the now, government, for some reason. The government has laws now that say no, and it's seemingly all based upon the fact that he has Alfred, and will kill Alfred. <laughs> well, also, too, crime is down in Gotham, Matt, and you see that's all the government cares about is low crime statistics, and the fact that there's no criminals. So I'm like, they're still criminals, they're just dressed <laughs> as fucking cops now. I'm like, oh, oh, are you are you trying to do sociopolitical commentary now, 76 issues in? Is this is this where we've gone to now? You ham-handedly trying to have a message in all of this? Look, I, th- I thought your other work was pretentious, but at least you didn't try and have, like, some social commentary on here. I, oof, oof. I'm usually the person who jumps for social commentary. Not this time. Yeah, yeah, so you get all that bullshit, and then you get, like, Tim... Tim Drake talking with like a beaten and broken Captain Adam who's like basically in tears because oh, this girl she's so strong and like, my government man the government don't took my goldfish and unplugged yeah, my TV it's just so ridiculous and then he meets with Damien and they talk about what's going on and I like that they actually had a moment for them to talk because it a it made King Rem- it reminded him those characters exist you know yeah characters that have never like really been in his books at all rarely but then he makes them talk like like this is the first time batman and gotham have ever had something like this happen the first time batman has been beaten all this yeah. sort of stuff Th- there was this thing called no man's land you might remember this thing called nightfall you know death in the family you know all these big storylines but as i said in my review None of that is canon to King's book. Only things he no. writes is canon. So all of this is like new Batman. It's it's the King of Verse. It's all the thing that's stuck in my craw about that is Damien doesn't care if Alfred gets hurt or not. Yeah, I'm like bullshit. <laughs> Compare that to like what happened in like Deceased this this week as well. Yeah, same with Captain Alfred Adam in that book as well. <laughs> Exactly. Man, they had big weeks this week. Yeah, Alfred's one of the few people Damien actually cares about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For him, I, I could see it being like oh it's damien acting like tough but like you need to have that moment where he he, that breaks and you see him like break down a little bit but it never happens no he was acting very very serious just just everything about oh we almost forgot about kite man kite man came back too oh yeah and he's helping the scarecrow and tweedledee and tweedledum and he's got the kite headquarters and i don't care (laughs) i don't care because because Kite Man is a better Batman, Matt. Yeah. Remember when they Batman. did that really good Kite Man story? That was actually like it was like a one shot, and it was it was really oh, good. And you, then nothing you liked happened. it. You liked the Kite Man one shot. I didn't because I'm like, well, Schultz is a fucking idiot. All of this <laughs> is his fault. Why am I supposed to feel bad for a man who everything bad that happened to him was his own fault? I liked it because it was that because he's such a fucking idiot and and King just keeps pushing him because he's literally Charlie Brown. In fact, he even says good grief in this issue because get it. He's a Charlie Brown joke, but also King likes Kite Man more than Batman because Kite Man wants to save the city and wants to do all the traditional Batman things because Kite Man's a better character than Batman. But yeah, and that that doesn't make sense because Batman wants that as well. It's just your Batman that you write doesn't want that. Yes, is an idiot for some reason and a weirdo and everything else. It's 
this whole run is just confusing, and I like, I like, I got one guy in my comments section, I, I haven't even bothered blocking this guy, because, you know, he's not being offensive, but I just wish I could see the world the way he did, whereas, like, see, this book is really deep and interesting, and a lot of people are just mad at him about the wedding, and there's so much symbolism going on here that no one talks about, he then proceeds to not mention any of the symbolism. I think it might be... If it's the one I'm thinking of, it's probably the same one who, who comes on my reviews because my reviews are usually up before everyone else's on this book, uh, so yeah. he, he gets mine first. But yeah, I, yeah, again, you, you ask them, well, what's the symbolism? What's like the meaning behind all of this? They can never say. They can never they say. Can also, here's the thing too: having symbolism doesn't automatically make your story smart no. or good. You can have a lot of symbolism. That's really stupid symbolism. Mm-hmm. Really stupid and very ham-fisted, which is what this book is. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I get what he's doing. I see what he's saying, and I think it's bad and told poorly. <laughs> Like, look, and again, too, this is a man who's like, you know, oh, there's there's a hole in Russia. What's it an allegory for? A hole in Russia. It's, it's a hole. It's a pit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see, the night is an allegory for the night. <laughs> that's 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 a bo uh, bojack horseman bit actually i don't know if you watched uh what is it the last season but there's a writer there who reminded me very much of tom king when writing batman where it's like why is every shot so dark because the night is an allegory for what the night <laughs> I'm, I, I'm always reminded of that gareth Marenghi character who's always like it's like i know writers who use subtlety and they're all cowards <laughs> all cowards <laughs> yep that's this run basically <laughs> uh oh also too hey shout out to generation west who mentioned this and i never even thought about this one why why does the captain adam have broken arms and legs and in a hospital bed isn't he just pure energy in a man suit that's the thing yeah his suit like 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 we have that that run um where he fought superman and superman like hit him so hard that it like cracked the um suit cracked the suit and we we know as well what happened this week what happens when when his suit cracks uh so like did like how how does that work with gothic girl like i bet uh, if they were to explain it they'd be like oh i i i secretly like fixed him in super speed or something or right some shit like that i bet well, well bane got the psycho pirate to make him think he had bones and then gotham girl proceeded to break the bones that he thought he had yeah, and, now and the bones are an allegory for the government and it's broken yes it's broken as broken as his bones oh eisner please <laughs> <laughs> give me give me an eye oh god oh. <laughs> but yeah that was batman what the fuck yeah what the fuck <laughs> i'm so glad i don't have to read that batman Catwoman when it's done because it's not the main batman book anymore i'm gonna read it just to see like like what what more shit he pulls out like it's like this is all building up to this it'll be I'm worth dying it to, i'm dying to know the sales on that book how many people are reading because they're really invested in tom king's story and how many people are reading just because it's the main batman book on the shelf yeah well i i we know in like past and i think it's still happening that like immortal hulk is beating it so is outselling it actually too i think on pre-orders again if bleeding cool is to be believed uh uh vampirella actually outsold it too this month <laughs> that's just great. in pre-orders that's great which, uh, which, hey, thank you, Dynamite, for sending me uh, this Vampirella book. And also, Matt, you remember a couple episodes back I complained that all the other YouTubers were given uh, boys omnibuses to help tie in with the show? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently Dynamite heard me complaining because <laughs> they sent me them. <laughs> That's awesome. So 
So the moral of the story, everyone, as Bill Clinton said in that episode of The Simpsons, just complain and complain until your dreams come true. <laughs> send me omnibuses, please. I'll pay for shipping. Yeah, yeah send Matt some omnibuses. I gotta watch the show, actually. I, I had Amazon up earlier tonight, and I was gonna watch it, but then I got stuck up making dinner and everything. I'm gonna watch it. You gotta watch it, man. It's so good. Again, it's it's the hot topic thing now. Everyone's talking about it, and it hasn't gone away. So, yeah, all right. I'll do it. <laughs> Actually, man, I really, there's a YouTuber out there, his name escapes me right now, but fuck was he smart, because in the, like, pre, like, in the preamble to the show coming up, he covered every volume individually, but, like, actually kind of, like, titled it to where it's like, oh, when you're done the show, come watch this. I had thought about doing that, but then I just ran out of time. I was, I was gonna, like, like, digitally get, like, the omnibuses and stuff, and just, like, go through them all and do, like, story times and stuff on them, but I ran out of time. I feel like you and I think about doing that every time, and we never do. And the times we do do it is the times that it doesn't matter. And it <laughs> yeah, doesn't no one gives up a shit. At all. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody gives a shit. Or it's like, nah, there's you know, there's millions of Batman and millions of Superman stories. It, maybe with the boys, it's different because there's only the one. So if you want to see what happens next in the story, you have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to cover the kitchen because the kitchen is coming out soon and that's based on a comic and I'm like oh this is very much up my alley but then I'm like oh there's no capes and no nothing in it so this might actually be like the worst watched thing on my channel yeah yeah kitchen does look good though I do want to see that mm-hmm. uh, yeah so what else did we have this week Matt uh, we'll keep the the Captain Adam train rolling and we had deceased issue four this week and story actually happened finally yeah, you and I were arguing about this one here. You didn't like that no one actually seemed to be talking about how to fix the zombie problem. And to me, I'm like, hey, man, it's just all about survival. But it seems that Waller and Captain Adam were working really hard on fixing things. <laughs> yeah, Waller, Captain Adam, and The Adam were were fixing it. And we, we actually learned, like, a little bit of lore about this DC universe, where it's like, whenever there's a plague or anything, they have a protocol, which is, Captain, mm. which is Adam shrinks down to, like, fight the plague and, like, try and work out what it is to combat it and stuff and i thought that was pretty cool it is uh, you would think in a superhero world they should have contingencies like this yeah and and if that protocol doesn't succeed protocol c or d ends up happening which is captain adam goes and just like fucking kills everyone (laughs) burn it all time for everything to burn (laughs) burn it down pookie we're burning this place down so he ends up doing that but then ends up starting to go nuclear because as we find out Adam has been infected and has stayed microscopic and entered Captain Adam and is just like eating his cells apart. <laughs> also, the fact that you can say the Adam killed a- uh, Captain Adam is just a hell of a sentence. It is. They were splitting the atoms. <laughs> Boy, were they. And uh, yeah, so if the uh, death zombie thing wasn't bad enough, now Captain Adam is going to explode. And uh, we don't know how much of the world he's going to destroy when he explodes because he's just that powerful. Yeah, so and then on meanwhile, we, the heroes on the Daily Planet are getting ready to do their broadcast and stuff. And uh, we get a really cool moment about like the, the Superman wants to go out and help people and mm. Diner and all that. No, you can't because if you get infected, we're like fucked. And, yeah. and he's like, well, I can't actually get infected because this whole time I've been using x-ray vision to like Love see everything. That. That's such a cool and creative use of his powers. That's so and cool. It, and it reminds you that Superman is smart too. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. So I, w- I wonder if John's doing that as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, I, I was totally doing the x-ray thing. Do x-ray thing now. <laughs> I never learned that power. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean you weren't doing the x-ray thing already? Uh, then we get giant-sized zombie Giganta. I love Giganta, and I love her costume, too, the jumpsuit thing. Yeah, yeah, she's, like, wrecking shit. Batplane comes in with Alfred, and he, like, fucks her up a little bit. Uh, Deadeye Alfred in his jet. (laughs) Diana, Wonder Woman has learned since she was on Themyscira, she learned from Mera about what's happening. And she heard uh, Lois's message. And she comes to Metropolis to kill uh, Giganta. And Superman stops her saying, oh, we can save them. But then, like, Cyborg just, like, blows her head up. (laughs) That was so cool. No, we can't. (laughs) No, we can't, actually. I've had the anti-life equation in my head. I know how screwed we are. There's no changing them back. They just hunger for death. They're drawn to life, and they're not going to stop until we're all dead like them. There's zombies that can sense, sense life. They're called the Blight the blight which is a great name yeah we're and we we find out that like flash uh like barry and wally are still alive because they got sent to a bunker in keystone by batman because if they were to get infected the virus would spread exponentially could spread it back in time could yep. spread it all over the world it's hilarious it actually reminds me very much of marvel zombies and quicksilver and be like <laughs> don't let the speedster get it yeah yeah so they they all come back together and uh black lightning and and his uh daughters and stuff figure out that they can make like these like what are they uh contact lenses that slightly blur people's visions to stop them Mm. from getting infected by the stuff so they have to deal with that and they they try and sort out what happens next and that's when captain adam goes nuclear and just fucking obliterates uh washington and by the looks of it most of metropolis or all of metropolis definitely killed the two members of the trinity so we're now down Do the you trinity because this that, that I, mean, I mean superman probably could survive that wonder woman mm, i'm not too sure about i mean they were definitely closest to the blast yeah. zone they were closest to ground zero plus i mean wouldn't that be a hell of a thing where it's like oh you thought we meant business when we killed batman well, also <laughs> now we killed these guys actually it would be crazy too because we see alfred give the bat suit over <laughs> to damien being like you're like his blood son and you're also the yeah. last one left because dick and tim are also dead yeah 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 yeah, that, wouldn't it be crazy that would be crazy cool. if for issue five we jump forward in time we jump forward like 10 years that would be really cool that would that would so, be you know, really cool so you got like 20 year old superboy and damien and like 20 year old black lightning's kids having to like survive in this world that like is not only filled with zombies but also a huge crater where dc used to be that would be really interesting that, that would be really interesting and kind of like bring it also back to like what tom taylor was doing in like injustice and the latest things where he mm. where like black lightning was like a main character because he was president of the united states and stuff and he was rebuilding after the whole injustice stuff so it would be kind of like a retreading of that but in like more bloodier fashion because you've got zombies and shit wandering around because i'm because i'm thinking this late in the thing like okay so you said you can't change them so there's not going to be a happy ending here so how do you get out of this do you even get out of this or does this just have a sad ending yeah, do you have to abandon earth <laughs> you have to blow up yeah. earth or so oh, we know there's going to be more after this series ends because they, they kind of spoiled yeah. it with like one shots and probably like a season two yeah so um which means it's already that popular yeah yeah so i'm intrigued to see where they're gonna go with this and there was also like a little bit of like uh harley and and poison ivy this issue where oh yeah poison ivy is gonna use the green to protect them 
Yeah, she offhandedly says the green will protect us, and I'm like, question, uh, with all these dead people running around, doesn't that mean the rot is more powerful now than it's ever been? Yeah, it would be interesting to see if they actually talk about that. Yeah, I want, like, Solomon Grundy or Anton Arcane to come up and be like, I, I am unto a god now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be very interesting. There's, like, like, yeah, just that one little thing of, like, an infection is, like, fucked so much up in the DC universe with, like, the green and, like, people can't be saved now and, like, what happens now? Like, the Themyscira is fine because it's away from man's world. I imagine Oa is fine because it's out in space unless the infection starts well, going see, other places see, in the world. that's what I was... I'm really intrigued. So, like, obviously how Jordan got infected and then now Diana has his ring. I was really looking to see if maybe the ring got infected and in turn, mm. because that's connected to the central power battery, the central power Ooh. battery gets infected. Ooh, that's a hell of a thing. Every time a Green Lantern tries to charge the <laughs> ring, they get infected and take it everywhere in the universe. Which would also then mean that the Black Lanterns come into power as well, because they have a control over the dead. Because they're all dead, so everyone becomes a Black Lantern then. Ooh, so many, so much cool shit. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of places you could go here with this, where it's like, all right, how big could a zombie uh, apocalypse get? What about Magicare? What about the Tower of Fate? Because mm-hmm. the Tower of Fate... Uh, fate is in another dimension are they fine yeah the rock of eternity stuff like that yeah crazy shit uh all right what else did you want to talk about what else did we have uh oh we got immortal hulk number 22 that was this week Ooh, what happened here uh hulk and his friends raid area 51 <laughs> did they know rudo run to dodge the bullets they might as well have <laughs> like people are like oh fuck off joel that didn't happen <laughs> no it actually did <laughs> that's great <laughs> And Al Ewing isn't a meme lord, it just means he thought of this and then it became a meme. Imagine how he must have felt, being like, that book's off at the printer and this this is the meme. Really? The perfect. Per- people, I'm going to outsell Batman again. <laughs> yes, because they all want to read this issue. Uh, man, if I was Al Ewing, I'd be stoking the fires. Hey everyone, Naruto running might not protect you from gunfire, but buying this issue of Immortal Hulk <laughs> might. <laughs> He's there. I, he's there when it comes time for the raid. He's like handing out issues. Like, read the issue. Oh. It'll tell you how to get in. Yeah, he's painted himself green. <laughs> you can trust me. I'm the immortal Al Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the idea is is that Gamma Flight got all fucked up in the previous issue because General Fortin kicked all their asses mm-hmm. single handedly. Yep. Which he shouldn't have been able to do because he was just a normal guy in a power suit. <laughs> And Sasquatch is dead, but, like, Puck and no one else is really sad. Because, like, hey, he's a Gamma guy. He'll come back. They, they all come back. Doc Samson, you're sad, but you, like, came back just recently. <laughs> and he's like, w- w- why did he only kill Sasquatch but only knock the rest of us out? How does that make any sense? Why did he single him out particularly? We got to go find Shadow Base's base of operation, which is at Groom Lake, which is another word for Area 51, which, hey, was also the place the Gamma Corps lived and worked before mm. Doc Green depowered them. Interesting. So Al Ewan bringing all the shit together. Meanwhile, uh, what is it? Betty and Bruce are in, like, a really shitty rundown motel, waiting, essentially, for Rick Jones to come back to life now that they tore him out of the abomination. <laughs> But Betty refuses to not be the harpy, and she's still really mad at Bruce. And Bruce is like, hey, Betty, do you want to, like, become a human again? She's like, no, this is me now. (laughs) And Bruce is like, well, this is fucked up, and I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to let Joe fix it deal with this now. Hey, Joe, you want to take over my mind and deal with this? (laughs) 
and he just does. And I'm like, oh, I love the idea Hulk can just hand off the baton to other personalities. <laughs> hey, Doc Green, you want a piece of this? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we get to hear a little bit more about Jacqueline McGee and her connection to the Hulk and being like, you know, why, why am I as a journalist being dragged around here? And the big takeaway is, oh, Devil Hulk likes you. <laughs> Not like in a weird way, but like in a you stand up to him and ask him tough questions when no one else will kind of way. Devil Hulk want the booty. Basically, yeah, so you get to hang out with us now. <laughs> forever. <laughs> and then Rick Jones does come back to life. and He's like, ah, you know, Area 51, that's where they were keeping me. You know, all of our enemies are going to be there. And Hulk's like, all right, let's go kick their asses then. <laughs> and so it ends with a big Mexican standoff at Area 51 between Shadow Base, the Gamma Flight, and Hulk and his people. Oh, that sounds so cool. i got to start reading that book again. It's wonderful. It's one of the best things going on right now. And I'm so happy people like Hulk now and like Hulk is a big book to read. Yeah, it's so it's so cool. It's so cool that they've managed to make him like a star character. Again, yeah, because yeah. like I, I loved the last two runs with Wade and Duggan and everyone else. And I was trying to like, you know, pimp those books out to anyone who would listen and no one did. But I'm glad they finally got on board with a Hulk book. Yeah, that's cool. It is. It's good shit. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, I <laughs> I had a good Tom King book this week. Oh, did you know? Yes, I had Superman Up in the Sky issue two. Right, that's right. See, I haven't read this or the Batman one yet, but I really should because apparently they're much better than the other books they're writing. Yeah, so so this one kind of sort of continues the story from the first one. The, the, this is like classic Tom King fashion where he starts the story and then kind of dives off into something else. Right, but this actually makes a little bit more sense because these are like Walmart comics, so you, they're probably yeah. expected to be like, oh, you know, we, we don't know which issue you're picking up, but here's a full story anyway. Yeah, so it's broken into two parts. In the first part, he fights Mito, the mighty mercenary, in a boxing match. Uh, because, oh, nice. Because he's, I've seen the cover. Because his leads for this kidnapped girl took him uh, too close to the people that have kidnapped her, so they sent Mito after to stop Superman. Uh, so Superman has to like beat him and, and Mido's whole shtick is that like, he's really powerful and he basically wears people out so that he can just oh. sort of like knock them over. Kind of like Homer, Homer when he was you a boxer. You beat me to it. Kind of like, like that episode of Simpsons. Yeah. And so he's fighting Superman and Superman like for all intents and purposes has no limits. So it's this whole thing where Superman ends up actually getting the shit beat out of him pretty badly <laughs> and he keeps his his trainers keep telling him to throw in the towel, but he's like, I'm not I haven't found that girl yet. I haven't thrown in I'm not thrown in the towel yet. So he actually ends heard no bell. Yeah, it's it's Rocky. It's Rocky. the bell. <laughs> and he ends up boxing this guy to near death, where the guy basically just gives up because he's like, I don't want any more pain. I'm just gonna give up. <laughs> And then the, Superman remembers his time boxing Muhammad Ali. Yes, yeah, so he, he remembers the rope dope and everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just a story about Superman not giving up. It's it's done pretty cliche and like the whole boxing ring sort of thing. Um, Idea, yeah, yeah, but, but it works. It works. Yeah, the second story sees Superman like when we find him in the story, he's dead, I guess, <laughs> and he gets found by like these aliens who this alien tries to heal him but can't. And in the process, the alien ends up like getting a bunch of Superman's memories. And uh, throughout the story, this this alien sees how much Superman means to not just his world of Earth, but 
the universe and how many countless times he has saved the universe and in turn saved their race as well and he's he's kind of torn with the fact that he can heal superman but it would kill him and Mm. he's got a family and everything on this world and he has to deal with the fact that he can he he needs to save superman because superman inspires so many people and superman is inspired by so many people so he has to give up his own life for superman to come back to life and and live and save the universe again see that sounds really good it is it's so good it's so damn good i'm like where the fuck is all of this in his batman book you know what it is i think for one i think tom king actually seems to like superman (laughs) more than batman two these kind of weird abstracty kind of corny ideas work better with a character (laughs) like superman Mm -hmm. than they do with batman yes yeah yeah that actually that sounds good that actually sounds positive it is it's really damn good it's written really well it's got art by andy cubit so it looks really cool you can also just do more with superman too like you can put him in any weird situation it's like yeah he's superman he gets himself into that all the time yeah i'm intrigued to see what that that issue that like came under fire where superman's like oh yeah thinking of all the times lois dies i'm interested to see how that holds up (laughs) yeah really Oh, I, I will get a chance, won't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm glad you like I will have to check that out, and I'll have to check out The Bend is Batman, because people said The Bend is Batman was really good, It too, is. The actually. second issue comes out this week. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it was really good. That first issue was really cool. I got to make, like, uh, story so far videos on them. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have? Uh, ooh, I had a Daredevil this week. I literally read this before we started. Yeah, man, uh, basically tackling Matt Murdock's superhero addiction, really, is what they're saying it is to him. It is every bit an addictive substance to him as the painkillers were. Yeah, yeah, and it starts with a great, great start where he's just, like, playing chess with Reed Richards in the park. And he just, he like asks, he's, he's talking to Reed because Reed is, like, the smartest person on Earth. And and he asks the guy, like, is God real? yeah and a very mature very adult conversation in this superhero comic yeah and and reed's like i don't know maybe maybe not i've seen some pretty weird shit but i haven't seen god so he might not exist but then i might be wrong i i might also be god because i recreated a bunch of universes not that long ago yeah yeah i like how matt like posits the fact that like oh maybe like he made you because you're his hand and you're here to tell us that he's real or tell us about him and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's and, and Reed's cool. like, don't put that shit on me. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck no, not that. <laughs> don't put that shit on me, man. And also, too, I'm like, all right, let me turn it on you. Maybe your love of rules and dogma and everything is what not only made you the lawyer you are, but made you the hero you are, too. Mm-hmm. That, that that is a great conversation. I'm surprised neither of them mentioned. Say, like, hey, let's ask the let's call up Thor and ask him if God is real. <laughs> I, he is real, tis my father, Odin, would you like to talk to him? <laughs> he would do that as well. <laughs> yeah, really, I'll put him on right now. Dad, they're asking philosophical questions again. <laughs> and, and Odin would be like, drink is like, tell them I work in mysterious ways. <laughs> they love that one. <laughs> okay, now they're asking why you let uh, bad things happen to good people. <laughs> oh and then he just flies away <laughs> that that is good shit i i really like that again give it just a darsky to do something you know so adult yeah so adult and so against like 
the grain of his like usual like really funny stuff like he he's he's done a really good job with especially in this book of blending like funny stuff but also like this really serious really cool stuff very much so and you know it's like this whole crisis of faith thing is reflected too in cole north who you Mm -hmm. know the rest of the dirty cops in the nypd don't like how he's making their job so much harder and they're like look we know we can't hurt you because you can defend yourself but what if we hurt your partner and everyone else around you unless you stop i love that scene where they like lock him in the interrogation cell and they flip on the lights and they're all in there and they're Mm -hmm. like yeah we're we're on to you north and it's that great bit of, we can see you, you can't see us. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know how corrupt the department is, but it's very clearly yeah, corrupt. Yeah, it's like all even, the cops. <laughs> and like even the good cops who won't rat on the bad cops for what mm-hmm. they're doing. I'm like, ooh, we're talking about systematic corruption. I like this. Yeah. And also like True probably strengthening the idea. It's like, I bet Cole North is going to put on a Daredevil costume at some point during this because he's now learned that all these rules and all these laws that he's upholding are kind of bullshit in a system where like everyone else is corrupt and you're the only one who cares. Yeah. Maybe maybe a little extra justice, a little vigilante yeah. justice might be called it, for Cole. We know you hate <laughs> vigilantes. It's that great like parallel to Matt where he thinks that he needed those rules to be Daredevil, yep. whereas... Whereas Cole says, no, I don't need the rules to be Daredevil. It's one of the best, you know, like crack mirror there, but for the grace go I mm-hmm. type moments between these two characters. And it's it's really well done. Yeah. And and, and then uh, and to top it all off, we, we, we got Matt like fucking around with like the, yeah, the, the, but- the book lady. <laughs> It, in many ways, too, he like gets his violence quota for the night. He's like, oh, a boy's in trouble. I'm the only one who can save him. Is God putting me in this situation? Is he testing me? I know I said I wouldn't. I know I'm kind of addicted to crime fighting. Okay, let me put the black uh, like shirt over my face again and let's do this just one more time. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well, I got my violence quota for tonight. Maybe I should get some bone in quota for tonight, too. Uh, Matt, you Matt, you know she's married, right? You know that's literally breaking the seventh commandment. Right? I don't care. I can't stop myself. Well, not only that, she's married. She She's married. She's married to, into a crime family. She's married to the mob, literally. Yeah, so that, that that's like even more like shit thrown Matt's way as well. But again, it's it's Zdarsky painting this picture where it's like, yes, Matt Murdock is an addict. Yeah. He, is, he was addicted to pills. He's addicted to religion. He's addicted to being a vigilante. And he's a bit of a sexaholic as well. Yeah, yeah. It It's really damn cool. It's so damn awesome and interesting and has made me like so happy that I've picked this book up. People are really enjoying this one, too. I notice more people are reading this than ever read, like, the Souls run or mm-hmm. the Wade run before that, which is hilarious to think that this super pared-down, non-costume-wearing Daredevil is the one people really got into. And not only that, those runs were happening when Daredevil was, like, on Netflix and stuff, whereas, like, the I run know. that's taking place now where he's no longer on Netflix has been cancelled is, like, one of the most popular runs ever. It's shocking, isn't it? Uh, a fan actually brought up an interesting comment that I wanted to mention here. They said, you know, why Why is the Kingpin always doing good and Matt always doing so bad? And uh, someone said, well, it's tradition. But I thought to myself, I'm like, no, when we last saw Kingpin, he wasn't doing so good either. He tried to be a legit politician only to realize, oh, politics is as dirty as the crime I came from. Oh, yeah. I thought we were polar opposites, but we're clearly not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like now and- he's like lost his way and he, he doesn't know what to do now because Daredevil has been defeated. And like, what do I do? 
just like Matt, who is lost without Daredevil, the Kingpin is equally as lost without the Kingpin and without Daredevil. Yeah. It is this great story about temptation and lost and being rudderless and what is our place in the world. Mm-hmm. Good shit. Good, good, very deep, very adult shit, as I keep saying. It is shit. And speaking of speaking of 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 Kingpin, I had Punisher issue fourteen. 15? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm reading this in trade, but again, I'm hearing good things. Oh, this issue, yeah. So the the UN, who are actually Hydra agents in disguise, mm. uh, move into uh, Manhattan to capture um, Punisher, and they're led by the new Thunderbolts team. Capture, uh, nice. Which is led by Zemo and all the vi- and like as the he led the original fixer and everything, all in in costume, pretending to be he- heroes. Which is exactly what they did when they first appeared as the Thunderbolts. Yeah, and he he's kind of like fucking up Fisk's ideas. Like Fisk also mm-hmm. brought back the Vigil team uh, of the cops, but uh, Zimmer's like, yeah, no, fuck that shit. They're only spying for Fisk on me, so like they can fuck off. Uh, so he's been trying to capture uh, Punisher with his men. Uh, so Punisher learns that these guys are all. Um, all these UN soldiers, which he thought just complicated the things because they're more or less innocent people. And now they're in his way. He learns from Black Widow that they're all Hydra. So he was like, I'm going to get my fucking killing on then. Yeah, so, really. All right then. So, so yeah, he, he just like murders a whole heap of them. And that like makes Fisk angry because they underneath their, their UN stuff, they wore Hydra stuff, like mm. gear associated with Hydra. So like cops all saw them with hydra and people realizing now that they're all hydra people so he's like what the fuck zemo you fucked up everything you're making a lot of trouble in my city yeah so thunderbolts go after him and they almost fucking kill frank but frank is saved by uh natasha and night thrasher Ooh, the skateboard guy (laughs) yeah and they and they're like right so you kind of need your own team uh to combat this 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 threat of the thunderbolts so he ends up getting he gets Natasha, he gets Night Thrasher, he gets Moon Knight. I saw the Moon Knight panel making the rounds. Yeah, it's really funny. He gets uh, Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. And th- oh, there's cool, this, yes. He's getting a bit of a There's push. this fucking awesome scene where like, Ghost Rider like, like, smashes through a tank and Frank's on the back just shooting all these guys and everything. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so cool. It's so damn cool. And he also gets uh, Rachel Elves who uh, people remember as, like, the female Punisher. Interesting. Yeah, wow, that's really... Jeez, we have not seen her since the Rucka days. They're bringing her back? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they make a big deal about bringing her back in this. And, yeah, huh. they, they all end up in this team. They're all like, we're going to go fucking fuck up these UN troops. Hey, you know what? If Matthew Rosenberg wants to write a Thunderbolts team with just that lineup, I'll read the shit out of that. I would, too. That It's so damn cool. It's so cool. This is... This sounds like a backdoor pilot for a new Thunderbolts book. It kind of does feel like, and as well as they're going to be on like some of these new TV shows that are coming out. So I wouldn't imagine, I would not put them past them to make this a backdoor into that. Certainly helps. Man, yeah, I, I was really excited to read that and trade when that story's done. So you'll have to tell me so I can catch up Oof, on all of it. It's so damn good. Yeah, Matthew Rosenberg, underrated creator, doing good shit. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last book I read this week was uh, Justice League. I read this one too. Yeah, a little Jaro-centric story. It was. It was so cool to see Jaro, the, the newest and most awesome and best Robin, 
Uh, yes, as he says repeatedly, <laughs> and by the end of the story, you're like, yeah, maybe. I don't know whether you got comments like that, but like, I got people like really pissed off at that. <laughs> I'm, really? I'm like, you know, oh, you know, he's... it's like a joke, right? You know, he's not like actually a Robin. <laughs> He's he's a comedy tentacle in a suit. Yeah, they're like, no, the, Tim Drake is the best Robin. Damien's really. I'm like, it, it's a joke, guys. It's a joke. <laughs> but also, Batman is spending more time with Jaro recently <laughs> really than the is. other Robins. He really is. <laughs> so make up your own mind. Also, Dick doesn't remember who he is anymore. Jaro knows who he is. <laughs> yeah, Jaro remembers. He didn't get shot in the head. Yeah, <laughs> he's 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 not Rick Jaro. He's just Jaro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Jaro, we get kind of like Jaro's like origin, whereas like we see Starro team up with, um, we see how Starro's like been born on like this O-world, which is like rogue planets where everyone's fighting for survival. And it- I, do, I do love how they tie that into Perpetua and the universe mm-hmm. and being like, some planets just come out fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- this one has fecal planet syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it like spawns Starro and Starro becomes the, the strongest being of this planet, spreads out to old planets, becomes known as Starro the Conqueror uh, before yep. teaming up with the Justice League to defeat the Omega Titans where it's ripped in half and becomes Jaro. This was kind of a catch-up issue in a weird way too because they mention everything that's happened from Justice League, no justice to right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jaro, yeah, Jaro has like found the Legion of Doom and decide like, well, I'm going to go fuck them all up myself. And then I'll be the greatest hero and Bat Dad will love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And he, he, he very nearly does, though, as well. Like, he, he introduces he the Bat Cannon and then they're all, I like how they're all laughing at him. So he's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to use the Bat Cannon. And they're like, oh shit, this thing is like really powerful. <laughs> yeah. He, he's actually been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Batman and the Just, Justice League are meanwhile doing their recruitment things and Martian Manhunter, who they remember existed, bursts in. And says Jaro found the found the Legion, so they end up going and fighting the Legion. And we find out that this is all like Jaro's like precog Daydream. precog dream sort of thing, where he sees the Justice League fight and lose against Lex, and they all get turned into apex predators. Um, yeah, and he wants to save them from that happening. So what he's done is he's infected all of the. He's become Starro the Conqueror. And, again yeah and because that was the only way he could save the justice league and he's done that by infecting them all and he was going to take them to one of these o planets and and hide them essentially and batman was t- uh, horrified but also kind of touched that he was willing to go this far to try and save everybody yeah batman's like look that was good but because i didn't think of it it's a villain's plan <laughs> yeah also fuck you no it actually is a nice bit of character growth batman being like that's not how heroes win that's not how we do things that's too easy because if you remember only an arc back he's like yeah i'm gonna put on the final bat suit and change everyone's mind by force but now he's saying the lesson he learned back where it's like no i learned that wasn't the right thing to do scott snyder's batman remembers things Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> he remembers things between arcs. So yeah, they get a and they get a cool moment where they hug and everything and they're like, We're gonna prepare for war. Yep. They sure do. And then the Justice League are, are like regrowing their own Starro, the original Starro. And and they 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 torrented all the bat all the battle plans for the Justice League. <laughs> uh when when they basically did. when Jaro attacked them, so they, they, they have the cheat codes. Yep, they got all the cheat codes now. Up, up, down, down, left, I, right, right, right. I love how like how like Scott Snyder's like making the villains like 
an actual fucking threat like that they, they, they're constantly winning they just yes. constantly and like this is another thing they like downloaded the battle plans and stuff for the justice league so like what the fuck is this justice league gonna do now <laughs> it's the scariest the legion of doom has ever been and the most competent they've ever been ever yeah 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 it's, it's so cool it's so cool i'm actually I'm reminded very much of the light from Young Justice, actually, where it's like, oh, yeah, you won that battle, but, like, we actually completed our mission and we're going to win the war. Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. I think next issue starts this big Justice Doom War storyline that Snyder's been building up to. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah, sign me the hell up for that. So that was everything I read this week. I got two two more books. Uh, I got Lightning Round. I got a Year of the Villain book in Sinestro. Oh, yeah, I almost read this, but I figured I haven't been reading anything Green Lantern related, so I had no business picking it up. How was it? Nothing to do with Green Lantern at all. Um, Good. So Lex sends uh, Sinestro out to defeat these villains called the Paragons, who have come from a different universe to stop Lex's plans of bringing the universe to doom. And they've been going around destroying all his, like, defense network. Uh, So... Sinestro was sent out to destroy them because of his lantern powers. He's very strong and everything. And he notes that they can't actually be killed because whenever he cuts off some of their fingers and they like immediately regrow. And he's like, well, how the fuck do I destroy this? So he, he gets some of the fingers that he cuts off and he, he, he's, he's doing his archaeological thing. He's running tests on them and everything. And Which we remember that Sinestro was an archaeologist. Yeah, and he learns that inside these beings is a microscopic civilization that actually work oh. for them and actually use their technology to basically heal them whenever they get hurt. How very Twilight Zone. Yeah, so so Sinestro's like, well, how the fuck am I going to beat these? It's like, okay, I'll use my lantern power to send my consciousness out into these beings <laughs> to go into the into the civilization. And he does that and he tries to find out, like, what their whole deal is and apparently their whole lifespan is that of like 0.8 milliseconds and their whole life oh so they're the worms from futurama yeah and their their whole their whole lives are are devoted to helping the paragons and and in, in classic mark russell fashion um Sinestro- oh russell wrote this yes yes he did uh oh shit he's writing this and the riddler one yes <laughs> oh fuck well then i do have to read it now yeah he 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 gets Sinestro to ask, like, well, why are you helping these these people? Like, what are they doing for you that makes you want to help them? And the people are like, we don't know. We just need to serve them. <laughs> it's like, we don't need questions or anything. It's like, so you're just going to blindly follow them? Like, yeah, we're just going to get back to work now. My geez, it's like Mark Russell is a famous political satirist or something. Yeah, so he, he a bunch of the planets get destroyed and he eventually comes up with a plan to extend their lives by 0.2 milliseconds and doing oh. and doing that gives these people like the pleasure of time which allows them to like <laughs> like grow as a culture and like experience like the hippie movement and all this sort of stuff and <laughs> and like all this he just explained it to me is hilarious all this like really cool shit where it's like they 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 end up like like denouncing their gods and the paragons end up getting destroyed except for one amazing one he he kept um one Sinestro kept for himself to use as like a guard to help him in his work. And, <laughs> and, and they, they basically made Sinestro their God in a way. Like, <laughs> uh, the, what, what was it called? Like minister, minister of information or something. So he's in control of everything. And he, he, he get, he's, he's able to save the last one because 
he he gets like the boomers <laughs> to, to like to like um realize that the the newer generation are lazy and he oh. starts seeding this thing with like to get them to back to work and everything it's it's so funny it's so funny as every older generation yeah. does they always think the younger one is more sinful and lazy yeah. and everything and our parents swore they wouldn't do it but they ended up doing it. that's fucking amazing okay you sold me on this <laughs> i'm gonna read that tonight yeah it, that sounds really good it's so damn cool and it's interesting as well because it also like seeds the stuff as like oh maybe sinestro might like because it's the whole thing is like it's is Lex is Sinestro working for Lex and is Lex working for Sinestro? Like, is there that that sort of symbiotic relationship, or is Sinestro just working for Lex? And right, because how do you get all these big villainous personalities to work together? Yeah, and it kind of sows that that seed of like, oh, well, maybe Sinestro, maybe some of the other villains might form an insurrection against Lex. Because mm. again, Sinestro too is like, I'm not evil all the time. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That's the that's like the thing in this. Story. He isn't evil. He just like helped people. Yeah, I, I'm written to be very Magneto-esque at times, mm-hmm. so, like, if you have to worry about anyone betraying you, it's gonna be me. Yeah, so I'm intrigued to see if that actually goes anywhere, and it also makes me want a Sinestro book by Mark Russell. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently he's doing this, he's doing the Riddler mm-hmm. one, and I love the idea that, you know, they could have been really lazy with these Year of the Villain tie-ins, where it's like, oh, here's just villains acting bad. No, here's, like, a political satirist doing something funny. Yeah, it's, starring comic it's book really villains. funny, and it works so well with Sinestro, surprisingly. Yeah. Sinestro had a book for a bit, didn't he? A damn good book. Yeah, I, I forgot about that, that he was actually so popular at one time, he held up a whole book on his own. Yeah. Wow, that you, you sold me on that <laughs> one, Matt. I'm going to actually go and download that tonight and check that it's one out. It's really damn good. All right, what was your last book for the week? Uh, my last book for the week was Lois Lane, issue two. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, I read issue one, enjoyed it, but was also like, okay, this is going to read way better in trade, I can already <laughs> tell. Yeah, so this issue is Lois continuing her investigation into uh, that other reporter's death. Uh, she right. she sends, um, well, before all that happens, the, the like news has like obviously picked up on that kiss that her and Superman shared in the Bendis book. And they're like, they're like, all the gossip people are like, oh, she's going to split away from Clark Kent and like go and marry Superman and like, or, you know, the usual like shit, the, the, the social media tabloids are always selling all that sort of shit. And they're like painting her as this woman out to get Superman and everything. And, um, Clark is like, how do you like deal with all this? And it's like, I deal it like how Superman deals with all the noise. I just tune it out. It's like there's like no point getting all upset about it. We're, we're we're journalists. People are upset with us just because we're journalists. So like no point. I'm Man, just going to get on with my work. What a, what a smart idea. Because I know I asked the question. I'm like, why why do we need a Lois solo book in 2019? <laughs> then I read issue one. I'm like, oh, she is defending the rights of journalists in the fourth estate. I'm like, oh. Oh yeah, actually we super need this right now. This is the perfect time for yes. this book actually. Yes. And uh yeah, so she and Renee Montoya talk about like this investigation they're doing and Renee went to like the Russia to this journalist house and like found it being guarded by people and there was it was definitely not a suicide like the news said. So they wonder what like what do we do now and she Lois in the last issue got given a list of like names and like money and all that sort of stuff. So she's like, we'll follow the money. And the money leads to this investment banker who 
uh, mm. Lois talks with and she he verbally threatens her and all that sort of stuff and they she he eventually like agrees to like tell her everything and they're gonna meet up and they end up meeting up and she brings Renee as like backup and Renee ends up having to like stop a f- an assassination attempt but the the invest- investment banker is killed and Lois is like oh either someone didn't want me talking to him or didn't want him talking to me and they need to like figure out who it was it's really cool really really cool really well written and really great seeing the stuff behind how lois gets a story because usually you don't see that no she just shows up that sounds very very greg rucka sounds Mm -hmm. very cloak and dagger spy type story yeah yeah it definitely was and yeah you got the questions i think like vic sage questions joining in next issue uh oh really yeah so we're, we're getting a lot of really cool stuff in this book classic rocket too yeah i'll write this lois book but you bet i'm back during both versions of the question <laughs> yeah, in here yeah. <laughs> did you expect me not to <laughs> that's why i took the gig <laughs> but yeah that sounds fun that's again that sounds like a book i'm really going to enjoy in trade when it's done because mm-hmm. i'm like ah, this is this is gonna be a big long mystery and mm-hmm. i hate not knowing yep all right so yeah was that all for this week matt was that everything that was everything well, there you go, everyone. That was the show for this week. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, be sure to check out our sponsor, Keto Crate, as we said before, to get some nice, healthy snacks that should help you slim down the way it helped us slim down. Uh, if you are still a patron, uh, which we thanked at the top of the show, you will be sure to get this episode before anyone else, both audio and visual versions of it. You might get it a day late. Sorry about that. We did the mm-hmm. show late, and Matt's doing audio wizardry now to make the show sound better than it ever has before mm-hmm. yeah i'll make sure to also put like code in the in the screen below our names here so you can uh go and check out keto crate get an awesome get five, discount five five dollars off and yeah. help the channel while you're doing it yeah. and uh naturally for everyone else you probably listen to this show because it's out every wednesday at 8 a.m eastern standard time so uh we're also so happy to have you here with us and we hope you will be back with us again next week yeah so see you everyone Until then, everybody, bye-bye. Bye.